And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Until Saturday. Dave, it actually is Saturday. Week one is in the books. And I got to say, when we came into this week, um, it didn't seem like the an overly eventful schedule, but I thought we got a lot of context. Uh, first in Fort Worth, where you are. Um, yes. And we did a live show earlier today on YouTube. If you're subscribed to the YouTube channel, I hope you saw it. But um, my main takeaway, Dave Ubbin, who covered the game, okay. was holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I I thought that this, this possibility was on the board because I believe in Sean Lewis. That offense, you know, is, is obviously strong. You have a quarterback that certainly has a lot of upside and might be really good, and we saw that. And they had a ton of speed at receiver. My big questions were, can they hold up on the lines? Defensive line held up better than I thought it was going to. And then the offensive line, they kind of coached around it in the first half, and you saw a little bit more uh, you know, five-step drops, a little bit more uh, where the offensive line had to hold up in the second half when they got a little tired. But uh, it's... At the end of the day, like this was a game that uh, it was surprising. But after the first quarter, it seemed clear to me that, you know, everybody has been wrong about Colorado all offseason. Every coach I've talked to, nobody really wants to come out and say a ton publicly, except for, you know, Venables and Narduzzi. Every coach I've talked to kind of roll the eyes. This is a clown show. This is not college football. This can't work. This is the biggest serving of Crow in college football since, what, Vince Young? Yeah, no, I'm trying to think. Like, listen, I, I'll be the first to admit that uh, earlier this week when we were on the show doing the picks and um, you were kind of going off a little bit on Colorado, I was like, I, I, I don't see it. Um, mm-hmm. And I watched the game uh, with Chris Vanini at my house on Saturday, and I spent – the first quarter wondering when when TCU was going to wake up because I thought they weren't playing very well. Mm-hmm. Then I spent the second quarter wondering when Colorado's lines were going to get too tired to compete. Then I spent the entire second half wondering, holy crap, is Colorado actually going to win this football game? Um, and well, you know, there were things that double we, digits. I thought they were going to win. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's funny to me. I made the comment during the game. And I want to make it on this podcast. I thought that TCU played this game kind of the same way that Michigan played uh, in the college football playoff against TCU last year, where it was like they were clearly or it seemed like the better football team. They kept turning the ball over inside the 15-yard line. They missed a field goal. They had weird, dumb penalties, Mm -hmm. and it just didn't seem like they were locked in. And if you would have had um, Colorado as the more physical, more disciplined and more prepared team in this yes. game on my bingo card, yes. I would have lost. Um, I lost 
my dignity on this game. I lost financial uh, assets on this game. And I am kind of at the point right now where I'm just kind of like, this is actually working, you know? And, and I never was a doubter that Deion Sanders could work or would work because of the larger than life personality that he is, the ability to recruit the way that he would, the transfer portal, all that stuff. Like in the long run, I knew that it would be better than it was. But the fact that like this is like probably an eight win team, if they can stay healthy and their line can hold up, maybe even a better than that in the Pac-12, I don't know. Like I did not see this coming. And the good news is here that we knew Travis Hunter was one of the five best players in college football before this year started. If you pay attention to college football recruiting, um, if you pay attention to, you know, just kind of his career arc, um, you should have seen tonight coming. He played 129 snaps, though. This man's got to be the most in shape human being I ever have seen at this level. Like, I don't even know who the last true two way player has been who made it through a season like this besides Chris Gamble in 2002. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but he had 11 catches, 119 yards, probably two touchdowns that he could have had in the first half if it wasn't for a drop and a penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, of course, Shadur Sanders comes out and is the first player in Colorado history uh, to throw for 500 yards, 510 yards, four passing touchdowns, 80% completion percentage. And I'm just running through the stats here, Dave, because I'm going to let you cook. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he was playing, it never really felt like Shadur was having like the greatest game in the world. I thought he did a good job just kind of taking what was there. And then Great all of a sudden Lewis. you look up <laughs> and the guy has 400 yards, 500 yards you know, of total offense. And it's like, this game is 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 really, really good. And the thing I think that people underlooked the most, Dave, is that Colorado isn't just a clown show led by a loud person who likes to talk shit in press conferences. Mm-hmm. They hired a really good staff. Oh, yes. and one last thing, too. Dylan Edwards, you've been telling people he was going to be really, really good. I've been trying. I've been trying. I've been told but, he's the third best player on the team for like a month. But <laughs> instant impact player from a guy of his size and his ranking to come over and, and score as many touchdowns as he did. Like, I feel like at the very least, no matter what happens with Colorado for the rest of the year, they are appointment television. Well, so are we, I was discussing this with some people in the press box and we'll, we can tackle this question in a minute, but it's a fair question. I think will Colorado 2023 be the most entertaining team in the history of college football? Because for one, you have the experiment, the whole, you know, Frankenstein's monster of it, of putting all these pieces together. You have Dion, who, again, every time he steps in front of the microphone, he did it again today. Um, you just don't really know what he's going to do. You know, he went after Ed Werder today. Uh, he's, he's, you know, the, the, the keeping receipts and firing off, you know, uh, Plenty of takes. My guys should be in the Heisman, the front runners for the Heisman. Mind you, it's September 2nd. I've never heard a coach say anything about the Heisman. Certainly not week week one, but like Dion's like, I'm mm-hmm. gonna promote my guys. I'm gonna promote my guys. And then of course they're playing entertaining football. Uh so like as term I think at the end of the day, Dion, Colorado, the team, they seem like college football is many things. But if we've learned nothing over the summer, it's that college football is, above all else, a very entertaining, very valuable television show. And Colorado seems like the one program in college football who seems to understand that. And they are making incredible content, literally and figuratively. So 
there's that aspect of it. We can talk about the rest of that later. So from an X's and O's standpoint, it's worth talking. Like, so Sean Lewis, what they were doing in the first half, you know, after the first quarter, you know, you didn't really know what to expect, but there was the idea that this was going to be a clown show disaster. I mean, what, two drives. You're like, okay, well, that's not going to happen. This team looks competent. They're clearly prepared. But there's something to be said for this sort of marriage between Sean Lewis and Shador Sanders. We knew Shador had some arm talent. He's clearly done a lot, but we haven't seen him play against big-time players because of, we've chronicled this on the show, playing in the private schools in Texas, playing this. We just hadn't seen it. Clearly, when you watch him, you see the arm talent. But there's something to be said for when there's a guy that's open, I'm going to throw a catchable ball and hit him. And I agree with you that I didn't see anything from Shador today that was like, oh, my gosh, I've never seen a quarterback do this before. But there's not that many college quarterbacks who, when a guy is open, they're going to hit him 95% of the time. You didn't see him, oh, I threw it behind that guy. Oh, it's in the dirt. Like, the amount of throws that Shador misses, minimal. I don't think I saw one today where I was kind of I don't like, remember ah, any. I don't great. remember exactly. any. Exactly. Where it's like you should have it. You know, you should have the ball um, – you know, where it needs to go. And certainly he's running for his life a couple times, took four sacks today, but like Colorado held up on the lines. Um, you know, TCU was able to run the ball. Not enough. Uh, Kendall Bryles, I think because of all the uh, noise today, you know, the play calling from TCU was, you know, not, not strong. I, I feel like they, they needed to lean more on the running game, but this is, this is not a media thing. This is not a fan thing. This is not a coach thing. Like everybody, did not see this coming. I got a text from a Pac-12 coach in the middle of the game saying, well, <laughs> I didn't see this one coming. And, uh, yeah, I think that's probably fair. Like, it's it's uh, everyone. I think if you weren't wearing black and gold on Saturday, this perked up, and now it's only going to build. And I think also when you talk about this Colorado team and, and what's ahead, 3-0 going out to Oregon, I'd say that's probably pretty likely. And that's going to be a massive, massive ball game. I will be there, fortunately. Um, but I think when you look at just it, – it's it's a game unlike anything I've seen before because we have never seen a program like this before. And I'm you know, going to remember this ball game for a long time, and I suspect a lot of people will. And I wrote this column in June, and I still think it's true that if this works, and it looks like it's going to work, I think Dion changed the sport forever today. Call it hyperbole, but I really do think that. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like changing the sport forever means that you got to find another person like him. And I'm sure they're well, probably not, it's all- not so much that. It's that it's that you can build through the portal and that you're gonna see a lot of guys when yeah. a new coach comes in, this process the players, get the guys out, fish in the portal. I think a lot of coaches, because there was a stigma against it, even though it was legal, like uh, Lincoln did this to 10 guys last year, I think. And caught some heat for it. Not, not quite the same as Dion. Dion, you know, you can call it quitting, call it, you know, how many meetings you took, whatever. Like, they made it very clear that they didn't want a lot of these guys back. So, I think technically they cut 20 to 30 guys. I mean, it's sort of a how you want to define it is sort of a question. But ultimately, I wrote that it's not going to be, well, we maybe could do this. It's that I think there's going to be a lot of hires in the future, especially when you take over a bad situation like Colorado. I feel like they have to do this. Yeah, I got to be honest with you, Dave. I, I I said it on the podcast on Thursday, um, and I remained convinced of it for most of the day until you know the second quarter started. But I thought 
59 to 14, 59 nothing was on the table today. Like, I thought that it was possible that TCU would come out disciplined, hungry, tired of everybody talking about how awesome Colorado was and just beat the crap out of them, uh, pull the air out of the sails a little bit and kind of bring everybody back down to earth. And I think the exact opposite happened here. I think not only did Colorado win, but they won a very entertaining football game that everybody was watching. It wasn't just like a like they happened to win. Like it was a back and forth shootout that they won in exciting fashion. And then of and course they took a punch and and stood up and got yeah. back up off the mat and yeah. said no 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 no. Like TCU took back control of that game. They were up yep. double digits and lost that lead. And, and Colorado said no 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 no. We're still going to keep playing. Yeah. Um. So at the very least. You have some sort of proof of concept, you know, like if you've been underwhelmed by Dion's ability to recruit out of the high school ranks, I have to a certain extent. I know it's very early in his tenure there, but I thought there would be more fireworks uh, than there have been. Um, but when you think about like the transfer portal and high school kids looking for proof of concept, it's like really, really hard to not want to play there if you're a certain type of player. And Andrew Lindsay here in the comments said people doubt Dion because they don't like him. You know, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, I'm sure that's part of it, but. People don't like loudmouths who haven't done it yet, which is the problem. You know what I mean? Like he is out there. We come in and all this stuff and it hadn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so once it starts happening, I think people will find him more and more entertaining because he earned the right to talk his shit. But like until you do, um, people are annoyed by that. Um, so like that to me is well, my take I, on Dion. I think part of it is that, you know, Shador talked about it today. Dion has talked about it in the past is that they get very offended when you suggest that, well, doing it at the FCS level is not the same as doing it at the FBS at the Power 5 level because they're running the same playbook that they ran at Jackson State. Clean it out, get a bunch of guys in, um, transfers, guys that didn't work out at their other program for a lot of other reasons, get some talented, you know, some some key pieces that, um, you know, a lot of other places want and, and win some ball games. And so I think that most of college football – doesn't see it the same way that, hey, it's going to be a lot harder at the P5 level, but they don't. So I think there's a disconnect there, and I think that's why you see a lot of indignance from Colorado's uh, roster, coaching staff. Um, You know, the coaches were getting into it on the sidelines. Like, they were talking with the fans, and, you know, you heard a lot of, like, you know, who's talking now? You know, what's all that stuff, you know, from coaches running back into the locker room, you know, outside of Dion in front of the mic, like, the same attitude that Dion um, has has talked about, um, you know, throughout the the season, and and sort of been like, "Hey, we coming." I've been telling y'all, I told you so, I told you so. You know, you can talk all you want, but when you have sixty minutes of "I told you so" on the field against what I still think is a pretty good TCU team, TCU played poorly today. A lot of mistakes, like you you hinted on. But that's, I think it's still a good team, probably an eight-win team. Yeah. Like, I didn't come away yeah. from this game thinking TCU was bad. And I, and I talked to Sonny Dykes for a while on Friday, and they believe that this is a better team than they had last year. And I think he probably still believes that. I think he didn't play that well. I, I think Sonny was surprised at well, how Chandler his team Morris came out. Well, Chandler a lot of points out there today, yeah, too. I don't know. like if you. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of, of opportunities there to move the sticks that didn't happen in a few passes that might have led to points here if they would have been mm-hmm. placed a little bit better. I'm not going to say that the game's on him, um, but you know you would have wanted to see some more accuracy out of, of TCU's mm-hmm. quarterback. But at the very least, Dave, I know that you are locked in to go to three, four 
or five, I don't know how many games. You're going to a lot, a lot of Colorado <laughs> games. Um, and I think that it's worth the budget. I think the worst thing that would have happened is if if Colorado would have come out and just laid an egg, gotten their butts kicked, their lines wouldn't have been able to hold up, um, and it just wouldn't have gone this way. So I do think that like Dion showing up in the in the news conference saying, everybody, I've got receipts, and you didn't believe me, <laughs> or do you believe me, do you believe, it's kind of corny. Uh, but also, too, like, I do kind of like the idea that there is some new fresh attitude in the sport. And like you said, it's an entertainment product and we have a really exciting, fascinating character. That isn't just a character. Like if his teams are good and they back it up, like, could you imagine like Deion Sanders with a team that's competing for the national championship? Like, I'm not saying that that's this year by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> yeah. um, but like that is a potential in the next 10 years, whether that be at Colorado or not, you know, well, and like that, you, you, that's you an exciting on- thought. When you talk about that as a possibility in the future, you know, you hit on this. Like, if you're a recruit and you watch the game today, you saw a lot of guys playing in a fun offense, having fun, being themselves, and having quite a bit of swag, growing their own followings. I mean, this is the kind of thing that 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 recruits itself. You know, Dion doesn't do a whole lot of flying around the country, showing up in people's living rooms. They want to get people to Boulder. And they want to promote their program on YouTube. That's like their two big things, right? And social media. And man, you can't pay for the kind of advertising they got today. Um, you know, it'll be very interesting. You talk about proof of concept. I'll be very interested to see what the next couple months of recruiting like in the high schools looks uh, looks like for for Colorado because it's just. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if you're a 17 year old kid and you're thinking about fun. where you want to go, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. this is like. How could you not want to do this? This guy's, you know, unapologetically himself. He's been that way forever. But when you do it and then you add on top of that, oh, we're going to win too? Whew. Hello. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I've got four thoughts Then I'm going to ask you one more question and then we're going to move on. Okay. But I want you to respond to my four thoughts. Okay. One, how clean is Colorado's apparel? Uniforms, swag on the sidelines. I like the helmets. logos. I didn't love I think the that their stuff is personally. awesome. I didn't you didn't love, love their white. uniforms today? They were awesome. I didn't love the all me? white and gold. For one, functionally... It's hard to see the numbers, but also, like, I don't know. I, I like the black. I mean, I, I think they probably – I don't know that this was in their thought process, but I think, like, the less black on a 100-degree, you know, day you're wearing, probably the probably the better. So I don't know. But ultimately, like – Well, that's a good like, segue to my second thought here, Dave. Okay. Let's go. Which is 
It was 105 degrees temperature on the field in Fort Worth, and Deion Sanders was wearing a hooded sweatshirt. Is that psychopath behavior? I didn't get a chance to ask about the hooded sweatshirt. Uh, the thing about these Dion press conferences, this will be this today was like the third or fourth one I've been there for. Um, which, first of all, my fellow reporters, stop making declarative sentences before you ask questions. Listen, my guy, I listen. I taught journalism for four semesters. I didn't do it anymore because it's it's a lot to do. But I taught. I spent three days on interviewing. My fellow reporters, the amount of interviewing sins that are being made and that Dion is jumping on top of that you're derailing interviews with, I don't get me started. But uh, it's hard to get a lot of questions in because there's like 60 reporters and there's only like 15 questions. So it's, you know, you get frozen out pretty quickly. Um, but the hoodie was an interesting choice. I don't know if I would have duplicated that. It looked like a somewhat light hoodie, but at the end of the day, uh yeah, an an odd choice, but I I'm also curious like some people I'm I'm curious if anybody from Colorado spoke up because at the spring game it was a lot of prime gear. Today it was all Colorado. He had the Buff logo on the pouch thing, he had the Colorado logo, you know, across the 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 chest, the CU hat. There was no prime logos anywhere. So that's pretty interesting. Okay, I'm going to cut the last two thoughts short because I just want to ask you this question. <laughs> We're running a little bit long on this, and I don't want this yes. to be a 3-hour show. Just being there today, what's your yeah. main takeaway? What's the experience? You know, you want to promote a story, anything. Just just give people a key window into what it was like to actually be at the at the building today. I mean, I just this didn't surpass Alabama and Tennessee last year as like the most memorable day of work I've had, but it's probably top five just because it's a spectacle. Like this is gonna be a wild season. I'll be at four of Colorado's first five games. We'll see kind of what we do after that, but uh you know, it's wild um, to see uh, this thing show up on the field and doing things that we haven't seen in this sport before. Like, it's literally unprecedented in major college football. We've never seen this happen before. And then to come in and through the air of skepticism, I think, you know, I in our poll, I did uh, our fan poll earlier in the year, 65% of people were rooting for Dion. So the idea that it's Dion against the world is kind of like, I think just it's sort of like a, a, a you know, a silent majority that's probably rooting for Dion. But uh, in general, I just we haven't seen anything like this in the sport, and it's going to be a wild, wild season in Boulder. Right? You know, I'm curious what the ceiling is for this team because I really don't know what it is. Yeah, so we'll see. Hopefully, Travis Hunter can stay healthy. It's a lot on your body when you play that many plays. I don't know if he'll have to play that many in all the games that he does. Hopefully the lines can hold up. I thought the offensive line isn't going to be a huge talking point on these podcasts and on television, but they did a hell of a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they, at the end of the game, it looked like TCU started to control the trenches a little bit, but they still held their own. Um, and I just had a great time watching the game today and it was cool to see where things can go. So I might be the best or worst podcast host of all time, but I didn't like introduce the show. I didn't even introduce us. We had, listen, so I wanted to get to. into Colorado. <laughs> it was, it, I'm ahead of my time. Really? Uh, let's, let's just uh, bang out some of the most important things that we got to talk about today. We're going to get into a lot more football here, but first, um, just wanted to make sure that you're all following on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts, uh, drop us a five-star review and leave a question with your review. Uh, we'll be sure to answer those questions on our show. 
uh, if it's a five-star. Uh, subscribe to Until Saturday on this YouTube channel. If you're here right now watching it live, you probably already are. If you're not, uh, you can get us live every Saturday night uh, after the games. And then on Sunday, most weeks for our Sunday sound off, that'll be happening Monday this week because we didn't want to undercut the maybe best game of the weekend, uh, LSU we'll yeah, we'll see. and Florida State. Speaking of LSU, Florida State, I had fantasies all day of like, what would this Florida State team be if Travis Hunter was on that team right now? Uh, that's, a, that's a fun thing to think about because that kind of seemed like it was. I think Mike about that sometimes. Too. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, too, on the Sunday sound off show. Uh, we want it to have a heavy voicemail element to it. We want your voices. We want to know what you think. Um, we want to know if you hate us, love us, your thoughts, opinions, everything. In order to leave a voicemail, please call 316-462-9852. Uh, the show is on Monday this week. You can also text that phone number if you'd like. Um, but voices are better because I like to kind of feel like you guys are on the show with us. Again, the phone number is 316-462-9852. Um, and also sign up for the until Saturday newsletter, which you'll get sent to your daily inbox. Uh, the links to all those things are in the show's description. Um, also one last thing, and then we'll get back into football. Dave, uh, Max Olson and I went on a month long five campus stop, uh, tour around college football this past month, Ohio state, Michigan, North Carolina, Georgia and Texas for a series called the official visit, which is on YouTube. And it's basically just kind of going to all the best campuses in the country, uh, showing people where to eat, where to drink the stadium traditions, all those things. It's kind of like a college football meets diners, drive-ins and dives. And the first episode aired last week. That was Ohio state. Next week will be Michigan and that will be on Thursday. So, okay. Uh, our producer, Camelina, who really just, you know, comes up clutch for us, Came put a base. segment <laughs> on the list here for us to discuss, which is new quarterbacks and how they perform today, which is literally, I'm noticing the entire slate today. Like, I, I don't know if there's a lot of returning talent. Obviously, we'll get to Drake May and some of the big time names, Caleb Williams and stuff. But um, loads of new starting quarterbacks took the field this week. Uh, let's start with the mighty Alabama Crimson Tide Jalen Milrow uh, beating Middle Tennessee State 56 to 7. I took the points. I lost. Uh, Milrow looked really, really polished. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think 200, almost 250 yards, five total touchdowns, 72 completion percentage. And he hit a 50 yard touchdown pass right on the numbers. And that ball was perfectly thrown 50 yards in the air. Um, obviously, Alabama did very good just physically dominating the opponent, but um, he was the guy. Uh, Tyler Buckner came in late in the game, but it was so clear that he might have taken a step forward uh, in a big way this offseason. And I feel like if the Tyler Buckner transfer never happened, that we might have been thinking about this Alabama team differently. And now I'm concerned that we've been thinking about them wrong. Overreaction to week one. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it just we I, still you know, have to see. I think you need to see You can see him throw the ball a little bit. And I think clearly I'm sure he's improved from a year ago. But. Few quarterbacks and certainly no Alabama quarterbacks are going to be judged by what you do, you know, against Middle Tennessee State. Like, I think you want to see what they can do. And, you know, you'd rather have him look really good than shaky. Um, But, you know, we've seen him, you know, last year was a tough spot in the Texas A&M game um, without Bryce. And he didn't look great. I think that's where a lot of the skepticism comes from. So, you know, maybe he can prove everybody wrong and maybe he can have a press conference after, you know, showing everybody, hey, 
I kept my receipts from all you people who thought Jalen Milrow sucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> we can get that after the game, but I, I, I'm not holding my breath on that. But you know, better than the alternative. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna grade that uh, a pretty firm I slash TBD. Uh, we'll see. All I know is he looked slim, but he looked powerful. He looked accurate, and he looked improved. Um, yeah. And he is the best coach of all time, leading the way. Um, I do think that the Tyler Buckner transfer doubted the you know notion that he could have improved into a star. I'm not saying he's Bryce Young, but I think that the way he played today, I have more confidence in just what he could be this season than I did coming into the weekend. Uh, so speaking of which, you know, we can discount how Jalen Milrow played against Middle Tennessee State all we want. Mm-hmm. I watched the entire Ohio State game because I was assigned to do a takeaway for the website. And I got to tell you, Ohio State beat Indiana 23-3. to uh, There was a quarterback decision made earlier in the week. Kyle McCord was given the starting job or said he would start. Devin Brown was supposed to play uh, also. But Kyle McCord played most of the game. I think Devin Brown played two series. Uh, both went three and out, and I think he only attempted one pass. It seemed clear to me that Ohio State has arrived at a starting uh, quarterback here when I thought that maybe they would be going into the year with three games before the Notre Dame game to play both of them to see who separated themselves. Um, McCord had 239 passing yards, no touchdowns, an interception, 60% completion percentage. And I think the entire city of Columbus is concerned about the direction of Ohio State's quarterback room. I will be the first to point out that C.J. Stroud's first few games as Ohio State's quarterback looked very good or didn't look very good either. And then, of course, he settled in and became what he became. Um, But I didn't find Ohio State to look explosive at all. And I think Marvin Harrison only had two catches for 18 yards. He had a touchdown called back because he stepped out of bounds on the way into the end zone. But the lack of explosiveness, I think, is is pretty concerning if you're an Ohio State fan coming into this game. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think it's it, – all these things are true. I don't disagree with anything you said. I think it's hard to believe that you could have those receiving uh, receivers and mm-hmm. have the kind of numbers that you had. Uh, again – and not you know, throw a touchdown pass in, in the entire game. And like, know, listen, to, I get it. Like, not Indiana's to loop, not, not to back to Colorado, but like, you know, those guys threw that all together with a new quarterback and all these new yeah. receivers, and they look pretty good today. So, you know, it's concerning. I don't think that we can, you know, hit the panic button just yet. It is a first start. It is a new offense. You're figuring out all these things. You are on the road, which is kind of like okay, like we'll see. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say. Uh, Alert level three and a half out of ten. It's not nothing. Yeah. But like if you do this again next week, who does Ohio State have next week already? Ohio State has Youngstown State next week. Okay, so whatever. If you go out against Norm if you go out against Notre Dame, that's two weeks from now, correct? Uh it's three weeks from now. Three weeks. If you go out against Notre Dame and you are seven for sixteen for uh, you know, eighty five yards and an interception at halftime. Very curious what you do at that point. And well, I do think that the idea seconds. is that they want it to be fixed and ready by the time they play that game. I don't think they want to find out they have a quarterback problem uh, in South Bend at the end of the month. So, you know, I've watched this team play quite a bit over the last decade of my life. And I got to say, I was fighting to stay awake during this game. I think it it's wasn't weird even that a quarterback if this is happening that you, don't, that you don't throw Devin Brown in there earlier. Or on a, I'm very curious. Did I'm not sure if anybody asked Ryan Day about that after the game. I'd be very curious to know 
like why you don't if it's not I mean the game great, was close like, David I mean it wasn't oh, like a it, so it wasn't like have, a musical a grab ass quarterback game I mean they Yeah but you don't you don't have to do that but you have to sort of figure out what's you know are, are you are you not a little at least a little bit curious what you have yeah it's not yeah like, no and he like played a little experiment, bit but if it's not going well and the 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 competition was as close as they seemed to want to indicate that it was for much of camp well which is why i kind of feel like ohio state's already made up their mind with who the quarterback's going to be actions uh, speak louder I've, than words i've always believed right. this in relation to so, quarterbacks and position battles and all this stuff you can say what you want to say give me the snap counts Certainly something to track as we move forward, but Ohio State, like, I mean, the quarterback thing is going to be the entire story. I thought the lack of explosiveness uh, overall on offense for a team that is kind of had a hallmark uh, of explosiveness over the course of the past five years, even longer, is kind of a concerning thing. Uh, But I don't know if that's something I'll lose sleep over because they have the athletes to do it. And uh, Trip trying the running back, I think, is going to be a stud, too. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep track of, you know, what. They do moving forward, but not the greatest showing from Ohio State in their first game. Okay, down the list we go. Down the list we go. Dave, mm-hmm. Bobby Petrino is working. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, they they're playing all these games are- today. I had it on my laptop while I was writing. Those boys were chucking it downfield left and right to these guys. And again, I you know I don't really care about New Mexico. You know we've seen a lot of Connor Wegman. I don't think either one of us are are. Big time Connor Wegman skeptics. I think I saw enough from him last year to know, like, you're good. Can you take the leap? You know, we didn't learn that today, but I think I wanted to see what does this really look like? And what I saw was, hey, we believe in these receivers. They're going to run past guys. And Connor Wegman was, he played well. Um, you know, a couple deep balls that weren't fantastic. Um, but <sighs> this is the kind of aggression and explosiveness that they have needed. And most importantly, Ari, if we don't want to play the, you know, dance around reality game, I believe Jimbo on a halftime interview said, quote, Bobby is calling a good game right now. <laughs> yeah, no, so I think the, uh, you know, the cat's out of the bag here stupid, a little bit. But like, it is what uh, it is. Yeah, it's good to hear it come out of his mouth for sure. Yeah, um, but I I thought I I mean I really liked the under in this game going into it and uh, Texas A and M kind of outscored the whole total by themselves and I, mean, I guess that's what's going to have to happen. Believe in yeah, Bobby. Yeah, I, I do think that you know Connor Wegman taking a step forward. Uh, a lot of receivers to choose from on this team. Ruben Owens got some some run. I, I don't know. I again, it's kind of hard week one reaction when all the spreads are thirty one points or whatever mm-hmm. in these games and they're not playing teams that are are physically equipped to compete but you know we've seen texas a&m in the not too distant past struggle in games like this against opponents like this and you know if you can't take a five touchdown performance from your quarterback who's really kind of settling into himself and evan stewart catching eight passes for 115 yards and two touchdowns and you know uh i don't know noah thomas catching three touchdowns six uh receptions for 74 yards i mean there's a lot a lot a lot to like especially from a team that's been so starved to figure Mm -hmm. it out offensively um if connor wegman becomes a star in the sport then texas a&m's a dangerous serious program right um again are we gonna use the p word are we gonna go there what's the p word with texas a&m if connor wegman's a star i think you know Ari. i'm not gonna say the p word yeah okay 
That's fine. That's fine. I've I'm already just asking. texted I'm enough asking with the, the B word, okay? <laughs> I, I, I can't double down, man. I'm just asking uh, the question. I'm just asking the question. Okay, next quarterback. Big time game. Uh, Drew Aller against a Power 5 team. Penn State beats uh, West Virginia late. Covers the spread with a grab-ass touchdown with six seconds left. Not No reason why I would know that. Uh, Penn State <laughs> beats West Virginia 38-15. Drew Aller, stud muffin. Yeah, I want to see a little more with the accuracy. Um, and I, I know, you know, there's a lot to improve on. But the reality is that some guys, when they throw it, it just looks different. And Aller is one of those dudes, man. Like some of the throws he can make and, and the ball coming out of his hands. It's just it, there are some people that their ceiling is so crazy high that you're just waiting for them to like show me something real special. And Aller's that guy, and he'll have plenty of opportunities this season. I don't think West Virginia is very good. Uh, I thought Penn State didn't look quite as good as I thought they were going to be. I think I said what thirty-eight ten. This game was going to be on uh, uh, on Thursday. I think I said thirty-eight ten. They kind of slopped their way to something similar, um, but yeah, I thought you know you could I disagree boss up with on them you, man. Bit. They okay. did slop their way to something similar, and the fact that they were able to slop their way to something similar means they're good. Like, well, I thought but the I Drew mean, Aller looked really, way, really I mean, good. Like adding garbage time touchdowns after you've broken West Virginia. It's sure, like, sure. Okay. But Drew Aller played a really good game. I thought he, he, did. he missed was, one he throw um, in the third quarter, I believe, on a slant route. That might have been a six uh, touchdown. I was trying to be mm-hmm. clever when I said six, 80-yard touchdown. He kind of mm-hmm. threw it a little bit low and, and behind the receiver. I mean, but I, don't, I didn't see a lot of miscues. Um, I see a quarterback who is um, looks the part to me. You know, yeah. and obviously he's not going to be the final version of himself, but the you know, Penn State's had there, a lot of, mm-hmm. I mean, and I, I think that 325 yards is the production that you're looking for. Three touchdowns, mm-hmm. uh, Singleton had 70 rush yards and a touchdown, and Lambert Smith, the receiver there, is looking like a stud. Like, if you are a person who thinks that Penn State is going to make the playoff, um, you know, I think that what I saw out of them tonight would make me feel comfortable with that assertion. Like, I, don't, well, here, I, didn't, here, I didn't think that it was with the a, Penn State conversation, Ari. Here's here's what we need to do. Okay, they can. Is it is it fair to say that Penn State can be a playoff team without making the playoff? Because I think clearly they're a playoff caliber team. They just happen to be in a nightmare division with two teams that are up, and maybe Ohio State stumbles. But like, if Penn State was in the, I don't know. I mean, certainly the Big Ten West, but maybe like there's not really a big, you know, there's not really a major league that's down this year, quite frankly. I mean, but even if you put them in the Big 12, right? We'll say Penn State's in the Big 12. Never say never with conference realignment. But like, wouldn't you wouldn't you feel better about like, oh, well, it's, you know, you would say it's either them or Texas. I think they're clearly better than Texas. And like, I, I would feel like, well, Penn State, you know, they're going to have to screw something up to get to the playoff. Whereas they're in this insane division and now are saying, well... You know, maybe they can get there. I think they're clearly playoff caliber. It's just a matter of Andrew Cooper just put this on here uh, on the comments. Thank you so much, Andrew, for participating. Penn State has a better quarterback than Ohio State right now. When's the last time you could have maybe. said that in like the modern we'll era? See. I mean, I think I mean, probably, we don't know. Like, we'll we see. don't know if Kyle McCord um, is going to turn out to be somebody special. Listen, I know I've seen enough from Howard to believe, but I I, I want to see more. I, it's not a smart proposition to doubt that Ryan Day is going to make a, a good quarterback out of what he has there. But there's nobody who's taking Aller second in the Ohio State-Penn State quarterback draft room, right? 
right now if we're having that draft? On September 2nd, 2023, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm just saying, like, the fact that it's even a notion at this point in time is a pretty exciting proposition for Penn State. And, like, listen, I've spent my fair share of time over the course of my career saying negative things about Penn State or saying things that that would irk a Penn State fan. I'm not in this position right now with the team that they have and the way that they played on Saturday night in a position to say anything negative. I think they're awesome. I'm excited to watch them develop and continue to go down this team, uh, down the schedule. And when this team lines up against Ohio State and Michigan, it's going to be a hell of a brawl. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. This is not in the flow or the show notes here, Dave, but I got to tell you, Dante Moore has entered the game in the second quarter for UCLA. I have it on my TV. I turned on UCLA Um, while you were doing it. I saw a little bit of it. Uh, I saw Carson Did you see the touchdown on his first... uh, I and missed the touchdown. I was, I was trying to produce some content, but I did while you were giving our promo. Uh, I did turn on Coastal. You space out during that? No, I was just talking on the podcast uh, sponsored by The Athletic until Saturday. <laughs> um, listen, guys, I forgot to in the promo. I'm happy you brought that up. Uh, Dave Ubbin had a very, very peculiar Uber Eats order tonight. All right, let's do it. I should let's do it. I, 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 I don't know if this is the this. time. I don't know if this is the time or place, but I guess before people, this is more important than the rest of the football. Let's get into it. This man sitting before you on this <laughs> YouTube channel right now, Uber Eats Benny Hanna to his hotel room in Fort Worth, Texas tonight. Is that psychopathic behavior? Look at this shit. Look at this. <laughs> what is this? What is that? that duck is, sauce? No, that, that is, is ter- not. A- that is uh, uh, miso soup, my guy. And then we have teriyaki. You got your steak. diet Pepsi up there on the top right. You got yes. your car keys next to the dip here. <laughs> you got hot mustard. Your podcast mic is beneath the mustard. This is a whole situation. You got two laptops. I mean, it's just like, this is a bizarre scene. And I don't know uh, what you guys think about this. And I'm not saying that Benny Hanna's food isn't good. I'm sure it's good. It I've is been good. there. I went there one time. I remember in college with my college girlfriend. I took her there. I thought it'd be a fun experience date night. It was a hundred dollars. I was like, "Holy crap! I am broke. I should not be going to Benihana for a hundred dollars." But like, you probably spent sixty getting that crap sent to you tonight. Fifty. And okay, listen. Benihana isn't about the food, man. It's about the experience. Who I know, but I this? wanted reliable hibachi, and Who I was get- reliable so, hibachi in a hotel room. I've eaten it. You're I know nuts. that it's good. I know that it's good. Here's the thing, uh, uh, <laughs> Matt McCarty in the chat says, "Why not get Fogo to Chow?" I actually did Uber <laughs> Eats Fogo to Chow. 
Coca to Jimmy. This guy is like, this dude is Uber eating experience restaurants. What's what's next? You're going to get Medieval Times sent in? What are we doing? Here's the thing. I know that if you take out at Fogo de Chai, you can get like a pound of the picanha for like 20 bucks. It's an insane deal. Here's the thing. My plan after the game was I was going to go to a sports bar or something and eat and then watch the games and then come to the hotel room. But I had to write two stories today. So I didn't leave the press box until like, I don't even know. It was like 6.30 or so. It was pretty Dave, late. Dave, nobody's questioning your schedule or why you got Uber Eats. We're questioning the, the decision was, that you made. Let me just tell you. So I'm actually not in Fort Worth. I'm at an airport hotel because it's, I was spent some time in, in Dallas. But the, the, the question is that the, the pickings were slim. It was slim. <laughs> and so it, it, we had to do what we had to do. And I love hibachi. Uh, outside of Korean barbecue, it might be my favorite well, Korean barbecue and American barbecue, it might be my favorite genre of food, Ari. So we but had like to do also, it. also, too, we're not even acknowledging the fact that getting steak <laughs> uh, is not like a good delivery. It doesn't travel well. I can like, tell you from not, my experience like an hour ago that it was a very fine experience. It's bizarre. And I, and thank you, Catherine. I know I have, <laughs> I've had my questionable takeout <laughs> things, but it's just like. It's it's mind blowing. I don't even know what to say. Like it's not like you I go to Benny. Did they get the, 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 the onion lava volcano delivered too, or what? I presumed. I have faith that those those onions that were in my takeout box were at one point in their lives a volcano. I trust that. Yeah, I, I've never in my entire life uh, uh, seen <laughs> anything like that before. I didn't even know they offered it, man. Like I just like was appalled by it. it, it Again, just, you you haven't lived yet, man. You haven't lived yet. Whew. Okay, we've got more quarterbacks to discuss. Thanks for thank you. It's it's bizarre. It's it's like uh, what's more psychopathic: wearing a hoodie in 105 degree weather on a football field, or getting Fogo to Chow or uh, Benny Hanna sent to your room. Ooh, Listen, I will get Fogo to Chow sent to my room again if I have to. I got it at the national championship. I was at the FCA convention two years ago, and I was in the lobby, and a bunch of us were getting food. And we couldn't really go to a restaurant. We were watching the national championship with like 150 college coaches. And I ordered Foga to Chow and got it and ate it at my table. And it was delicious. And I enjoyed it. I was with my colleagues. Lance Leipold was over there with us. Kevin Barbet was over there with us. It was very fun. It's the second most bizarre food take we've ever had on this <laughs> podcast. The first one is when Scott Docterman yeah, during our Thanksgiving, <laughs> the Thanksgiving sides draft drafted cottage cheese. I've never in my entire life. <laughs> It's just like, you know, that Ryan Gosling uh, gif from uh, Crazy Stupid Love where he's eating the pizza and he's just like disgusted. It's just, like awful. It's just it's just a bizarre move. It's a horseshit read. And I just wanted to I just wanted to bring it up. So, OK, let's get back to the podcast here. I know we got people in here asking questions about um, other quarterbacks. We're not done. We're going to get to them. Mm-hmm. The next one, uh, we had a musket versus bazooka in this Tennessee, Virginia game. Bazooka Joe uh, comes out 234 yards, four touchdowns. Um, a few plays you probably like to have back, but I think once Tennessee got into kind of the feel mm-hmm. of the game, they just kind of rolled over them. Yeah, I had this one on a, on my laptop during the Colorado game. I mean, ultimately, like, I don't think Virginia is very good. I think they're on the short list of the worst Power 5 teams this year. So this is, they did what I thought they would do. But ultimately, what I saw from him is better touch on the deep balls. Like, that's the whole thing mm-hmm. with him, right? Like, we know the arm strength is there. We know, like, he's a pretty good processor. Um, he can make decisions. And in that offense, 
most of the time, you're only reading half the field anyway. So, like, processing is not that hard in that offense. It's very easy to learn offense. But just touch on the deep balls because this offense is so reliant on you when you get a guy deep, and which is going to be often with all those deep choice routes and the way that they put defensive backs in really bad positions, you got to hit it. And, and Hendon Hooker was really good at that. And I thought Joe Milton was very improved today. Uh, Ramel Keaton had a brutal drop. I, I did see that one. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's at the end of the day, he's not going to be judged by the Virginia game. Don't lose to Florida would be my advice to him. We'll talk more about the Gators later. Um, but he'll be judged, you know, the same way everybody, everybody else that, that, that plays at Tennessee will be judged. What did you do against Florida? What did you do against Alabama? What did you do against mm-hmm. Georgia? But, again, this is what you want to see when you go up against a team that's not very good in Virginia. Flex. You know what good teams do, Ari? They beat bad teams by 36 points. So, we'll see. Yep. Okay, so obviously, and Vaughn, our buddy here, is in the chat, um, big Iowa fan. I thought that the drive to 325, Dave, was going to be a boring proposition with the way that Iowa started this game. I did, too. They scored 14 points, I believe, in the first quarter, and I like looked down at that, and I was like, uh, good for them. This is going to stink if we don't get and to have then, this bit this year. And, and then, then they scored I was the watching the Colorado game. <laughs> And kind of got sucked into how awesome the the Colorado game was. Looked back. They scored 10 more points for the rest of the game uh, against Utah State in a game in which we were discussing whether or not they could or should run up the score. I didn't uh, I didn't see a ton of this uh, when they got up 14. nothing. I was like, ah, oh, you know, Utah State's, you know, didn't show up to play today. Uh, and then I saw the score later and I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions. But yeah. 24 points, Ari, especially against Utah State. Funniest possible number they could have scored. I mean, I guess 25 is the is the only one that might be funnier. But, like, if the drive to 325 ends and they're on, like, 323, 324, I mean, that's incredible. So, like, yeah. 24 points is, I think, the funniest number they possibly could have scored. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they landed on 24 is hilarious. But <laughs> yes. um, And I also think, too, that if I'm remembering correctly, and, and Vaughn, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but... I think Iowa was like on the edge of the red zone as the game was ending too, or in the red zone. And I was like, you better here score go. here. Like, you know, I was like, I was thinking like, we, we, we gotta, uh, we gotta score. Um, yeah. Iowa got the ball back with six seconds left in field goal range, bold strategy, not to try to kick it. Um, <laughs> it was just, uh, the same brand of Iowa football, which was just boring. Um, I do like Cade McNamara. Obviously it's an improvement at quarterback. I like the tight end, Eric, all that he connected with for a touchdown. Um, but 284 yards against Utah State is just not going to get it done. So, you know, as we continue on into the Big Ten schedule, you know, Iowa has Iowa State on the road next week in a game where the over-under will probably be 11, and we'll watch that game and we'll have a good time. But, like, this is, like, if like we, the notion during the offseason that, like, Iowa would run up the score against overmatched teams to kind of can rig you the that? scoring. Yeah, can you run it's like the we're through one of the games that they're supposed to be able to run up the score on. Yeah. And it's like they have Rutgers left on their schedule and they have Western Michigan left on their schedule, but the rest are Big Ten opponents and yes. Iowa State. Like, we're, we're running out of opportunities in the, in the here. Chat, to, two to, things to, in the chat, by the way. First of all, Matt McCarty was sort of chugging red wine. That's Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi. Secondly, Catherine B. wants to know that Brian Ferris doesn't actually care about the drive for 325. Uh, you should, if you like remaining employed, and if you get fired after being one of the most hated assistants in... Well, certainly in the country right now, 
your services are not exactly hot on the street, so I might want to care about the drive to 325. You may not tweet the hashtag out, but you might want to score 325 points. Yeah, so that's going to be a continued ongoing discussion. I thought, well, if they could put up 51 or something in the first yeah. game and kind of like douse the fire that's a little bit. That's kind of what I thought we were headed. But you know, like we were, and it seemed like we were headed there. You know, offensive juggernaut tweets were, were flying after the first drive, and then, you know, we ended up where we ended up now. So, okay. Ari, I've, the, made, I've made the executive decision to turn on Texas Tech and Wyoming in my room. So, we'll yes, as we are here right now recording 1055 Central Time live, <laughs> Sam, um, Sam Khan has come here. Uh, to remind us or to tell us that uh, Texas Tech, everybody's lovable sweetheart uh, in college football this year in the Big 12, your Big 12 champion is trailing uh, Wyoming 20 to 17 with roughly I have five but one question, and that is when did Wyoming join the Big 12? This isn't in the Big 12 standings. It's fine. Yep, it hasn't. Uh, <laughs> Quite landed yet, but like they were up seventeen nothing, I believe, in this game. Yes, and then it was looking like okay, scoring. Tech, all right, all it's right. Like, it's like thinking like okay, and now we're in like oh my god, they might lose because well they're getting uh, the ball back here. So they're getting so. the ball back here. Five minutes left. They're probably going to be uh, deep in their own territory, and then you know we'll go from there. But we should be still. All, all I want streaming. this season is Texas Tech playing Nebraska, so that Tyler Shuck can go head to head with the Cornhuskers. <laughs> Whew. That is uh that is some grade A prime grab ass for week one too. It's like we it's like we had this debate earlier on in the season, guys, if we should be going live the f- like as late as we did when Andy was with me last year because mm-hmm. we used to go live like at one, two, three in the morning, and uh, it was because we wanted to wait to see everything's over with. Let's just uh you know hope that this doesn't happen or we'll have to reevaluate some of that, but. <laughs> I think a live yeah. reaction is fun. I think people who are watching this game and can can listen to us, like if this game ends on like a Hail Mary, well, I don't know how they got the CBS window, by the way. I, I looked up what channel that game was because I thought it might be on like ESPN2 or something. I'm not sure how they got the CBS window for this game, but uh, ultimately, uh, you know, I think people will appreciate listening to us react to this game after it's done when they know what happened. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. And I, I will say that now that you bring up CBS, I know everybody was joking about the SEC CBS theme music, but watching Big Ten games on that network today just felt kind of strange. Like I don't know if you had that same. You probably were on mute the whole time. Yeah, but, I was um, on mute. I had also I, my blessed multiview. I don't think they had that option on laptops. Sorry, I was I was struggling. I, I was I was very sad today. Uh, I had to pick just one game. There wasn't a ton of windows where there was like a bunch of games. I mean the. The, the the slate was pretty lean today, but I, I missed my multi-view nonetheless. Uh, Tom uh, Damhoff uh, in the chat said, Spill it, Ari, what's your financial investment in the game? I actually am not on this game. I had a really, really rough day today, guys. I'm, I'm going to level with you. And <laughs> We've got a bad we're beat gonna get, We later. have a bad beat segment, <laughs> and that happened last night. So on Friday, so we, we really came into the day really humming. But uh, thank God I don't have any action on that game because I would have been on the wrong side. So, okay. <laughs> Um, a few more new quarterbacks that I want to get to, or, or yeah, you know, some are, are more interesting than others, but mm-hmm. you know, Wisconsin has been, and was one of the more interesting storylines in the off season, go out and get Luke fickle. They have Phil Longo as the offensive coordinator, uh, a lot of changing and evolution happening at Wisconsin. Tanner, Tanner Mordecai, his first start at Wisconsin. Uh, they do a pretty good job of, of, you know, putting up some points on the board. I think they, they scored 38, 38 points in their, debut did you get a chance to see any of this dave 
Uh, no, I did not. Um, but I will say that if I had been choosing this as a Wisconsin fan, I would have preferred a non-multi-interception game. Yeah, uh, 24 for 31, <laughs> 189 yards, uh, 6.1 yards uh, average, one touchdown, two interceptions, and a 38-17 win over Buffalo. Um, I guess if you're going to win 21 points uh, in your debut, that's a pretty good job. And Chesma Lucy, the running back at Wisconsin, who's a Heisman Trophy caliber running back potentially, uh, I think ran for a, a bill and a half. So, um, you know, Tanner Mordecai and this, like the, the, the notion was that they were going to come out five wide, just sling it the entire way. And it's just like, Turns out that Wisconsin still runs the football. So I'm excited to see as the, that the team um, continues to go into their Big Ten schedule, how they continue to settle into uh, maybe a new personality offensively. But it does seem like, at least with the uh, first game in the books, that Wisconsin's still going to be running the ball and running it well. Um, lastly, Carson Beck's first start at Georgia. Um, 306 total yards, two touchdowns, and a pretty lackluster win for Georgia. I mean, I think they were up by like 17 at halftime or something. Uh, wasn't the most... Uh, they did know. they did mess around with Kent State last year though. Yeah, no, Missouri. I don't care. I mean it's boring. Yeah. It's it's just it has to be mentioned uh that yeah. Georgia won and I think they ended up winning 48-7. Uh, 294 yards. Kendall Milton ran the ball. The first touchdown of the year for Georgia was a 3-yard rush from Brock Bowers who was as good of a running back as he is a tight end. Um a lot a lot a lot a lot of uh you know football left to be played. UT Martin, though, is not a team that you should be winning 17 nothing yeah. against. Like, listen, I don't know, you know, what, what's going to happen this season, Dave, but as I watch um, the games and, you know, we haven't really, we've got some more games to, to discuss, but mm-hmm. um, I don't like sit back and go, holy crap, this team is kind of just the, the master class of college football. Like, I'm very curious to see how things evolve. Um, and I don't think that someone's running away with it anytime soon. So, yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you know, I, I can't remember who, you know, has, I mean, I guess a lot of people have been hitting on the point, but the fact that three of the top four teams in the country have new quarterbacks, like mm-hmm. they're not all just going to coast and, and chill. And Georgia's got, you know, a new OC as well. Um, so that's a lot of moving parts. Uh, you know, we'll see. I, I think ultimately, you know, you, you can't uh, these these FCS games, especially, and, and when you're playing a team that's overmatched, and you're playing in week one where you're trying to figure things out, and people are hiding stuff, and you know you're you're running pretty base defense because you know you got bigger games later, and you don't want to show stuff, and you can only take so much away from these games because they know that it doesn't take a lot to win these games, and you kind of want to see what you have. So we'll see. Okay, so now to the next segment here which is our overreaction of the week. And I think that this will be a nice segue into other games with returning quarterbacks. Um, Florida man, Thursday night. Uh, I'm going to call this the measured reaction. It's, um, yeah, I mean, you kind of yeah. called it before the, the year started that Florida was going to be uh, dealing with some issues this year. But, buddy, that was painful. This is what – here's the problem with this, okay? It's not just that Florida's bad or looked bad for one game, or, you know, we'll see how the season plays out. It's that I watched that game on Saturday or on Thursday. Were you, I mean, were you, I wasn't surprised. No, that's what I I thought Florida was going to look like. They looked like what, that's just why I said, I said on the Thursday show, uh, it's not great that Cam Rising's out. It's not great that Brent Keithy's out. And it's not going to matter because Utah's just going to roll them. And they did. Uh, And Utah probably left some points on the board. 
board in that ball game, I think. And ultimately, like, it's crazy to me. I, I don't know that they'll end up there, Ari. But the fact that we can ask the question, is Florida the worst team in the SEC in 2023? And you don't know for sure that it's not. And you're in year two at Florida? Hmm. I don't care what else is happening in the world. What else is happening in your program? How many injuries you've had? How many $13 million checks didn't clear? I don't care. That should never be a question that you have to ponder. And it might come true. Because the only other team that we're talking about, right, is probably Vanderbilt, maybe Missouri, maybe Mississippi State. We'll see what those teams look like. But Vandy beat you last year. And they looked okay today, too. So, man, (laughs) it's not good. It's not good. I, I just, I, yeah, it's, it's a problem. The thing that is interesting too, is just like, if Florida just stinks, like it's one thing to have a, a record that's not very good or to lose one possession games and what's kind of heartbreaking Sorry, one fashion. seven in I the mean, SEC. I don't know if stinks is something that we can put on paper with a record. I think stinks is just watching games that look like the one on Thursday. Yeah, and okay. those will probably turn into a lot of losses. But like, we were all amped up to watch the first, you know, big time game of the season on Thursday yeah. night, and it was unwatchable. From if you're a Florida fan, um, and like there was this notion, at least for me, that I was like, hey, you know what, Graham Mertz at Wisconsin. He might have been used poorly. You know, Billy Napier is pretty high on what he brings to the table, and you know, maybe he'll come out firing. You know, maybe he'll be somebody different than we think he is. And the most ironic part about this is, is that, you know, in this loss, first time in his entire career, Dave, uh, that he has thrown for more than 300 yards. And that's what it looked like. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, we talked about this with Shador a little bit, is the quarterback, mm-hmm. you got to be able to get the ball from point A to point B reliably, run the offense, make the decisions, find the open guy. Like, quarterback is a very complex position, but it's also not a very complex position. Make your reads, find the open guy. Decide you're going to throw it to the open guy. Throw the ball, put it where it needs to be, and move on to the next play. And there were a lot of... This is my biggest issue with Mertz, regardless of anything else, is when you're throwing little bubble screens and a comebacker and these slants and these easy throws that, like, a quarterback, you just you have to have those. He was very unreliable. Slants behind guys, high throws on a bubble, you know, balls in the dirt. Like, you can't, you can't do that stuff. And he was doing it consistently and costing them yards and moving the chains and all this stuff. And it's it's a problem. Catherine Pete is uh, asked, <laughs> is Dion petty enough to go to Gainesville after Colorado? That's hilarious. Well, he's the guy who says he's not a Noel, so he would say it's not petty, right? Yeah. Um, it is funny, too. We're already penciling in Dion, like Dion into uh, – you know, the top 10 jobs in America. I don't know if I'm quite there yet. Still, it's still a lot to see unfold, but are you saying you don't um, believe Ari? He's going to come after you. If you ever have to interact with Dion, he's going to say, I saw what you said on that little podcast. I don't believe in you. Listen, I'll tell you one thing and I, and I we don't have to go right back down into this chamber of, but if I were in that room and he goes, and I had a question and he goes, I saw what you said. Um, I just feel like I was wrong. Like I might, it's my job. It, well, As a podcaster, well, but, it's but, just but, like... But here's the thing, though, Ari. I think Ed was caught off guard because he doesn't write. So, like, he asked him... What did he, he even him, do? 
this is I wrote about it. So I'm writing. A, there's another story that I wrote about tomorrow, talking about the day inside the Dino, the, the the Dion experience, and nothing. There was a tweet in March where Ed, like, just in a retweet, like, pretty straightforward, called him a celebrity coach. Like Edward isn't right. He does TV. So like, I think it was just Dion being theatrical. Like, no matter who it for, was. Yeah, I think it was one of those deals. I think it was Dion being theatrical for theatrical sake, and maybe it wasn't even. Directed at Ed Werder as much as directed but at. There was somebody the else media. he did it to too. He goes, "Do you believe now?" And the that woman, was Ed. I no, believe, that was Ed. Okay, that was I thought I, I heard another one where there was a, a there woman. There was another. I mean, there was like there was like four times. Today do you believe now? Like, do you believe? Yeah. Do you believe? I just be like, I don't know what you want from me here, guy. Like, I mean, yeah. I just like, you know, the thing that is tough about our job, and I don't want to like throw the journalism thing into it. Is like we are sports reporters who are trained. And our job is to react to things that happen and report on how, why, and when it happened. Well, and not everybody sees the job. That's the lines, how I see the job. Yeah, that's how I see the job. Mm-hmm. But somewhere along the line, um, as podcasting became more prevalent, and you know, people put picks into the publications. I, I think a lot of it like, is the embrace it's all debate about, TV stuff that trickles down. Into yeah, life. but it's like our jobs. Like, listen, buddy, and I've said it on this podcast, and I'll say it again. If I knew how to accurately predict games at a really, really high level, that'd be the Pacific Ocean behind me, pal. Not a wall. <laughs> I wouldn't be in Dallas. I'd be in Vegas on You'd the be weekends. In there with your and I'd roommate be in Cliff, Laguna Beach. Uh, you know, just gambling my ass off. And it, our job is not to accurately predict the games. We do our best with the information that we have. But listen, buddy, I I think I know quite a bit about college football. I spend more than forty hours a week. Uh, thinking about talking about and researching it, and I got my ass kicked today. Informed opinions can still be wrong, and I think already there's a there's a lot more people in the world that like believe that uh, journalists' job, especially sports journalists, is to like predict and be right about stuff. You can have informed opinions if you're just spouting off or whatever. Like you, like we know in the business who does their homework and who doesn't. It's very clear. You can tell. Um. But if you're an informed opinion and you're still wrong, I mean, the reality is nobody's done anything that Dion has done. So, you know, whatever. I, I don't particularly care. But the, just, it, like, was a weird, too, it was like, a weird like, person to go after today, just in general. But it's just like a weird dynamic, too, because it's like the bottom can certainly fall out at any point, too. It's like you won a, a, you know, a good game. You won Ari. a good game. I don't know, Ari. They're pretty he talented, He won a good man. game against TCU. And, like, I'm not saying that we're overreacting. But, like, you didn't win the Super Bowl, man. You got a long season. You got a, a thin offensive yeah, line, you probably. Did, you got a few injuries did. away from stinking again. Like, just there's just a lot of people who thought this was going to be a joke. That who thought this was going to be a disaster area. And whatever happens, we've well, got on this podcast clear. or anybody at the athletic. No, but there's a lot of people out there that do feel that way. And so you did prove that you're not that. And so in that sense, you did actually win the Super Bowl because you've you've already proven by nature of well playing the way they did regardless if anybody of anybody understands lost. anything about college football and saw the the flip that he did with his roster the mm-hmm. numbers with the with the with the roster that we saw going from 63 to 36 in the composite talent rankings and the mm-hmm. staff that he hired knew it wasn't going to be Chuck E. cheese on a field you know what i mean like it was going to be a yeah. a pretty good team so um you know or a team that that might lose games because uh you know they have some holes and some depth issues at some key positions but not a team that didn't know how to line up, you know? Yeah. So anyway, uh, we, that's a lot. So here's a few other things. Uh, North Carolina played defense. Uh, 
North Carolina won a football game. Drake May is one of the best players in college football. All right, I got we a question. Joked. We got to do it. Yeah. We got to. I need a question for you. When you watch North Carolina tonight, how much of that did you believe with all the <laughs> talent that they have on their lines? And how much of it was a disaster of a night from South Carolina's offensive front? Um, 60-40 disaster for South Carolina. It did not look good from the game. Yeah. Packs. That's going to be a rough film session for the offensive line. Not a great debut for Dowell Loggins because we'll see. I think time will tell is if North Carolina's defense is truly improved. But they were routinely, I'd have to go back and look. I mean, they were giving up 30 and 40 a lot last year. Buddy, last year at this point in time, North Carolina was giving up double-digit points to um, who the, a Florida A&M who like, lost half their roster on the way. Yeah. Like, I don't remember what happened, but didn't Florida A&M, something happened, I that it was was like weather-related like, or illness-related, yeah. but they lost half their scholarship players, and they were moving the ball up and down the field on them. Like, I'll take anything uh, if I'm a North Carolina fan. Anything that proves oh, uh, to not be a complete disaster. They didn't give up three touchdowns in a game, and they're playing an SEC opponent that people were expecting to be pretty good. So, yeah. you know, they have App State next week, so, you know, maybe the, the, it'll be another 100-point game cumulatively, but... You know, I look at this team that has constantly failed and withered under the the guise of expectations, and they did a pretty good job um, out there. So, you know, to me, I think that's a huge win for for North Carolina. Did you check in on Texas today? I did. Uh, I don't know what to make of Rice. Um, you know, these games you can only, like. This is I. This is today is my 16th season. The start of my 16th season covering college college football. These games lie to you. Ari, sometimes teams stumble, and I think part of it is because they don't want to show. I don't know if you know this, Ari. Did you know that Texas is playing Alabama like very soon? Did you know that? And I'm maybe, going. yeah, and maybe if you're playing Alabama, you might want to look pretty vanilla in week one and save a lot of stuff for a team that I think has a pretty salty defense. So that's a very real thing. I talked to a coach last year um, who. Well, I was writing about the the coaching confidential before the Georgia-Tennessee game. And I just asked him, like, hey, why did Missouri give Georgia so much trouble last year? Like, how'd they do that? And, you know, they obviously had played Georgia. And he was talking about the study. And he's like, well, Mizzou just did, like, ten things on defense that they hadn't put on tape the whole season. And Georgia just wasn't quite ready for it. And they were all out of sorts. And... They hadn't put any of that. They hadn't studied any of that stuff, and so they just did a bunch of new things. Well, when a team, quote unquote, looks a little sluggish, you know, it can always be a number of reasons. But I never hit the big alarm because you got to do enough to win those games. But you know, style points. Nobody cares about style points the first month of the year. There were a few deep shots in this game that Quinn missed on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you know there, are, but like you said. We're seven days away from being me sitting here in a press box in Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. And I think that those are where the, you're going to get the answers you're looking for. You know, yeah. what happened in the Rice game or whatever. Um, also, too, Washington is another game that started off a little bit slow. I don't know if that counts as a slow start. Uh, we thought that um, I don't Boise was going to be a pretty start. good team. I, I, was, I, think I that thought was just Boise a, might win that game. Yeah, and Washington just beat the crap out of them. 56-19. to 19. 
makes me think I might have been wrong to second guess their ceiling this year. Yeah, I think we'll we'll see. But if you were buying on Washington as a as a Pac-12 title winner, you got to feel pretty good today, right? I mean, Michael Penix is out here throwing. It's like a laser show, unlike unlike the witch of anything well, you've mean, ever seen before. Two, 29 for 40, 450 yards and five tutties. Outside of Caleb Williams, uh, I guess, we'll, you know, maybe even better than Drake May. Maybe not Drake May. But, like, Michael Penix probably has the best pure arm talent of anybody else. Besides, It looks the prettiest. Probably. He's, I mean, it's... It's wild, and I and I don't know that I realized that really until he got in Kellen DeBoer's offense. I mean, I had seen him a couple times in Indiana, obviously all the injuries, but I didn't realize he had that kind of gun until like probably the Michigan State game last year, where I was like, okay, all right, interesting. Yeah, no, he he is super talented, um, and they played really really well, and it's just kind of one of these deals where it's like Washington is a legitimate Pac-12 championship contender. I think that was true before Saturday. Yeah. I think it's even more true now. Um, and they didn't beat a bad team 56-19 to 19, where we don't know. I, I, mean, I, think that league, team, so. I think that league, because there's so many holy defenses in that league, I think it's going to be just a total cannibalization at the top, and you'll have like seven teams with two losses at the top. And so, you know, we'll see. I don't think – I think all those teams have offenses good enough to beat anybody – and bad enough defenses to lose to a lot of teams, and I think it's going to catch yep. up to them. I think so. it's a good segue, too, here to talk about USC for 30 seconds. Uh, USC beat Nevada, uh, University of Nevada, Reno, 66-14. Uh, UNR went right down the field on a 72-yard touchdown pa- uh, or big play uh, touchdown pass that turned into a – it wasn't a touchdown pass, a 62-yard pass that led to a touchdown a few plays later, and I – sarcastically tweeted i wonder if usc's playing a lot of people again and actually usc's defense played much better than they did against san jose state the week earlier obviously nevada's not quite as good as san jose state i think san jose state's actually a functional team mm-hmm. um but i would be remiss if i made it through this podcast and didn't at least acknowledge that you know usc was winning uh 35 to 7 at halftime and only gave up one touchdown through three quarters and a garbage time touchdown in the fourth quarter so good for you usc hopefully you're figuring it out and hopefully mm-hmm. we can get some big time USC Washington. You know, Oregon dropped an eighty burger <laughs> on Saturday, eighty one points in their win. So it's just you know the Pac twelve is supposed to be one of the most entertaining conferences in college football. Good I think we have today. a real shot of that happening. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll Not see. Not just entertaining, but good. Entertaining and good. Good, like entertaining and good. Today. High quality entertaining. Not grab assery entertaining. I gotta go. I mean, did anybody in the Pac twelve? I gotta. I gotta look this up. Did anybody? I I sent out a tweet earlier today, just looking at the midday results. What's your question? It did anybody lose or not acquit themselves? I don't think anybody lost. So Oregon State. Well, there's a few tomorrow. games still going on. Cal won. Washington State won. No, they're undefeated. Colorado won. Oregon won. Washington won. USC mm-hmm. won. U- UCLA is winning. By eight in the third quarter, Arizona is beating Northern Arizona twenty-one to three right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like they are going to be undefeated through week one. So yeah, cool, cool story for for the Pac-12 and uh, one other game. Uh, Oklahoma scored seventy oh something points. Oh my! Gosh. It wasn't even close. And my boy Jackson Arnold came in and uh, went eleven eleven for one hundred and fourteen yards and a touchdown. Uh, that's a guy that's going to be a star uh, as soon as next year, maybe even sooner. Uh, yep. Pun intended. I see what you did, see what you did there. Listen, yep. both sides of this game are interesting to me, Ari. For one, 
I was not buying a lot of the Oklahoma. I thought it was ridiculous that they started the season in the top 25. They, I don't think they were in my top 25. Um, I'm pretty sure they weren't. Um, they weren't in my heart. Maybe they were in the one that I turned in for our top 25, but fortunately I don't think it was ballots made public. But no, if you're going 73 on anybody, it's kind of like, that's hard to do. Now, that said, everybody wins at Arkansas State, Ari. Everyone. Uh, the number of coaches that they've had come through there and get bigger and better jobs. I mean, they Arkansas State was like the cradle of coaches there for a while. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Butch Jones, who before Josh Heupel was the most successful Tennessee head coach since Philip Fulmer. That's just facts, despite the way that it ended. And had a lot of success, obviously, um, at Central Michigan and Cincinnati. Goes to the Nick Saban rehabilitation program for, I don't even know, what was he there for, three years, four years? It was a long time. I talked to him after he left, before he got the Arkansas State job, and I really thought, he's going to kill it there. Everybody wins at Arkansas State, kind of learns some things. He's already had some success. He's proven he can do it at that level. And they have bottomed out in a way that I don't think I thought was possible in Jonesboro. And I don't know how much longer you could put up with this because it's, it's unbelievably bad. We'll see. Dave, there's one other game that I have to, before we go to the final segment, bring up. Texas State beat Baylor on Saturday. G.J. Kinney, baby. The name is hot in the streets, Sorry, I didn't get to see a ton of this game. I have a lot of questions. Uh, Texas State, you know, they have had a lot of like they've had some juice in their program and they've had some really good offensive coaches come through there spad going through there obviously um and and you know a first year coach it's a tough place to win we've seen baylor lose some weird games over the years they lost to liberty Mm -hmm. when they were still an fcs team if i recall a weird loss dave aranda's got some tough questions but man g j kinney shout out to the dude Former Tulsa quarterback, I believe he was playing. I am also getting to the age now where coaches are younger than me. Yeah, it's not great, Ari. It's not great that guys guys who I remember as players, like have real memories of as players. Yeah. Are head coaches. Like winning games like this? Yeah, it's not great. It's not great, man. <laughs> yeah, but hey, we, we couldn't get through the show without at least bringing that up. And yes, uh, last but not least, I think this is going to be a recurring segment because I stink at gambling. Uh, but the Ari Wasserman bad beat of the weekend uh, happened on Friday night. So, um, <laughs> you know, we have we have a lot of a lot of stuff to work through, Dave. It's a, a dry run here, but I had Louisville um, and they were trailing and losing the entire game. The entire game. It was 28 and, co- and a half, I believe. Yes, yes. And I'm trying to remember what the number was. Let, give me one second here. I, I believe it was it uh, seven and a half, something like that. Yeah. Um, and they come back and they finally take the lead uh, in the fourth quarter late. And then after taking the lead over Georgia Tech, they uh, kick the ball back off. The other team, Georgia Tech, goes three or four and out at their own 20 or something like that. Louisville gets the ball back and (laughs) drives down to fourth and one with a few minutes left in the game. They are one first down away from, from running the clock out 
Instead, they kick a field goal. Brom kicks a field goal. It doesn't get them nearly, or it doesn't get them over the point spread. Then they kick off uh, to Georgia Tech, and Georgia Tech drives all the way down the field in like four plays and scores a touchdown for no reason at the end to uh, cover the spread. So that was my Friday night, and that is my wonderful experience heading into the weekend. And I wish I was a better, I did a better job of um, describing that because I can't remember what the point spread was, but let's put it this way. (laughs) If all you need is a yard to win a football game, just get the yard and, and quit the grab ass. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people were in my position and it just stunk. So then I, I did the live genie all the way down in the TCU game and that didn't go real well. And, you know, here we are just a beaten and broken man on September 2nd. So, um, all right. What you know, you're saying is you didn't believe that's what I hear. That's all I'm I hearing. guess I, the only thing worse than losing, it was Louisville, uh, Minus seven. So they were seven point favorite. They kicked the field goal to go up um, <laughs> by 10 or something. And then they gave up a touchdown at the end for no reason. And it just sucks. So if you guys are all there um, with me, you understand Matt McCarty says, Ari, do you gamble with the family joint account? Your wife is a saint. My wife is a saint. Um, she is. Whenever I win, nice, whenever I win, she benefits from it too. So, you know, it's all one big happy family. I wish that we could stay on long enough to see the way that this Texas Tech game is going to end. Um, but the it's good news is, is that I feel confident that Texas Tech playing at Wyoming can only end in a weird way. So, I'll, well, Wyoming's I'm, up twenty-seven to twenty as we get rid of this. Uh, and uh, they've, Tyler Shuck is running just like quarterback draws over and over. It's 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 odd. <laughs> yeah, well, that's your Big Twelve champion. But the good news is, is that we're not going to battle stay up tested, to Ari. Battle stay tested up is all what night. But the good be. news is, is that on Monday when we start the show, we can recap yes. what happened with with Texas Tech, and you guys will all know if you're listening to it in the pod feed. Uh, thanks so much, guys. That was a long episode. There was a lot to cover um, until Saturday. Is is really starting to kind of get into gear. Uh, please make sure to follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to the podcast. Leave a thumbs up and hit subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, if you aren't listening to this in podcast form and would like to watch us on YouTube, the link is in the bio here uh, for the show. Uh, follow me and David on Twitter. I'm at Ari Wasserman. He's at David Ubbin. Um, the show is called Until Saturday. It was finally Saturday. It felt great, Dave. Um, but guess what? Seven days, there's another one. So until then, that was the show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.